are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Um, turn with me to John 15. I want to pray and jump right in. Sound good? Good. Amen. Was anyone, was anyone at the pursuit thing, gathering that I spoke at maybe like a year and a half ago? Anybody? Anybody? Good. Only like four of you. Good. Well, you're in for a treat because I'm going to do something crazy. It's going to be good. I'm going to go deep and we're going to do some surgery tonight. Sound good? Sounds good. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in New Jersey. God, I thank you for San Juan and all the people represented here who helped put this on. God, we thank you for him. We thank you for the mandate on his life. We thank you for his voice in this region. God, and I just ask for Holy Spirit invasion tonight, God. That we would receive what you're trying to do in this hour, in this moment. God, that we can be all you've created us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. You guys you guys thankful for San Juan? Yeah. Amen. Me too. Good job, Sam. This is great. Look at this. This is awesome. Only God can gather a bunch of people. I mean, how, there's probably how many different churches represented here tonight? Lots. Huh? Lots of different churches, lots of different people. So amen. So turning to John 15, I want to talk to you guys about a super sexy subject. Um, pruning. Okay. I'm going to talk to you guys about pruning tonight, and here's why. I made a vow to the Lord probably five years ago that I would only preach what he was doing in my heart in that season. It was a vow I made to him. Therefore, it has been a weird journey because, you know, I may have preached somewhere three years ago, and they gave them, you know, and it just keeps changing, and it keeps changing, and it keeps changing, but... You know, when we preach what the Lord's doing in us in the moment, it's just fresh and it's got oil on it. And, and uh, I'm going to take you guys on a journey with me. I'm going to walk you through just a little bit of my story the best that I can. And I want to talk to you about something that I believe the Lord is wanting to do right now in the time that we live. Because there's a lot of talk about revival. There's a lot of talk about the second grade or third grade awakening coming to our nation and another Jesus people movement. And I can get go down that line of all of the things that God's about to do. And it's good. But I also believe that we are in a moment, I believe, where the Lord is exposing and, and, and uprooting. It's not because he's upset or angry, but it's because he's a good father. And I believe he really is preparing us for something really incredible that we can really steward and contain well. And I think that the people that God's going to use to do it are not the ones that we think he's going to use to do it. <laughs> Your hungry friend who fasts all the time, you'd be shocked. He's the one who's going to end up not being that cool. And it's, and, it's, and it's the guy who's been secretly hidden, being faithful at his job, but has lived a life that you don't know about, fighting to be free from offense, fighting to go deep in the areas of the Lord. And I just believe that the Lord is wanting to, what, what does it say? in Revelation he's going to come back for a pure and spotless bride who's made herself ready. I hear preachers all the time. So, I, they, so there'll, be, there'll be like two things happening. Right? There'll be like the preacher guys that are like super harsh and the church is so whack and everything's lukewarm, you know? And then like, and then there'll be the guy that'll like argue the guy that preaches that. And it's like, yeah, but the Bible says he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. I don't know what you're talking about. But I also know what the scripture says that the bride that he's talking about has made herself ready. 
So this process of becoming a pure and spotless bride is not just a thing that God waves his hand and does. It's a process of a lifetime where we dig into the deeper things of God. And I think in the charismatic church, we think the deeper things of God are signs and wonders and miracles. But actually, biblically, that says that's actually what's elementary. Um, Signs, wonders, and miracles are actually elementary. But I think when I think of... When I think of going after the deep things of the Lord, when I think about, you know, the narrow path that Jesus talked about, I think about the people that push through fog, push through religion, push through the ministry performance, and actually get in this spinning wheel with the Lord where they're actually going after the real stuff, like the bitterness in their heart towards people that have hurt them. Like dealing with anger, like dealing with the deep stuff, because you can achieve all kinds of things in the kingdom while never actually becoming free. And this is why leaders hurt people. And this is why hurt people hurt people. Right. And I believe that the Lord in his kindness, it's, it's all in his kindness that he wants to talk about these subjects because his dream for you is far beyond anything you could ever imagine. But when you signed up to follow Jesus, you signed up for this. Uh, has anyone ever heard, heard of a worship leader uh, named Misty Edwards? Anyone ever heard of this, this, this crazy lady from IHOP? <laughs> she has this song, and the chorus of the song goes, it's an inside-outside, upside-down kingdom where you die to live and you lose the game. <laughs> so when you signed up for, you know, when, when you had your moment with God where he touched your heart and you said, yes, Jesus, I'm all yours, you didn't sign up for a Rolls Royce, a blessing. <laughs> though, though that stuff could might come along the way. Hallelujah, I hope so. But what you signed up for was a journey of now unlearning everything you've ever learned. That in order to get, you give. And in order to live, you die. In order to be blessed, you give away, right? Bless those who curse you. Take up your cross and follow me, right? This walk with the Lord is it's wild. But as we continue to get in these processes with him, they're painful. But as we go through them, we experience even greater measures of his glory in our lives. And it's just the kindness of the Lord that he won't let you figure it out in your own strength. Because we know we know how to get to the place the quickest. The way that we are programmed is to find the quickest route on our GPS, find the coupon, right? Everything we do, we're trying to find the quickest, easiest, and fastest way to get there. And if you try to do that with your life in God, man, it's a mess. And God will have to come in and rip the carpet out from underneath you because God sees you right now. I mean, most people in this room are probably ages, what, 19 to 30, right? And when God looks at your life right now, he's super not concerned that you figure it out right now. Okay, now some of you in the room may be at a place where God's anointing you for ministry or whatever in your young 20s. But God mostly is not concerned that you hurry up and figure it out right now. Because let me tell you this, he doesn't actually need your help. God is not like looking across the earth for the next revivalist to take over a city for him. (laughs) Right? Like he really doesn't need your help. Instead, what he wants to do is he wants to get you on a process where you can actually have something for real 10, 15, 20 years down the road of experience so that when the next young, zealous 21-year-old who thinks he's got an anointing on his life and is ready to have a microphone, you can actually walk them through a real journey and a real process. Just make sense? I'm not trying to crush your dreams right now, but I am trying to crush your dreams right now. <laughs> because I want your dreams to come into alignment with a bigger picture that God ultimately wants you to be unoffended in your 80s. That's really what he's after. 
The vision for your life is not to win New Jersey to Jesus. Jesus, you didn't get saved to save nations. Right? Like, like the, the gospel is not I saved you so you can see nations saved. The gospel is I've saved you so that you can go on a journey now of encountering the depths of my heart and looking like me to a generation. Right? But we get things so mixed up in our charismatic culture where we think that it's all about like the next thing, the next big thing God's doing. And along the way, we miss the deep inner work that God wants to do. Now, I'm not saying you have to throw away one for the other, but often we don't know how to manage both. Now, John 15, read this with me. And then I'm going to tell you guys a little funny story. It says, every branch, John 15, verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. If you actually look up the word pruning in the Webster Dictionary, you want to know what it says? Well, there's like, it gives you like a couple different, uh, uh, a couple different definitions. But one of them is, I love it, it says, to remove unwanted branches from something. But it's interesting that in John 15, it says that he removes unwanted branches from something from those that are already bearing fruit. You know what that means? That means you're doing really well and the Lord comes alongside of you and shakes everything up. And typically we look at the devil and blame it on Leviathan instead. Anyone catch that? Okay. Because we're programmed, we have a very false idea of what the goodness of God is. And things are getting really humanistic in the church right now. The goodness of God, identity in Christ, the message that's like the cool thing to do. It's getting really weird and humanistic. And so when, when the other aspect of the Father comes alongside of us and disrupts things, we typically do warfare instead of maybe God would actually do that. And I'm about to get deep in the scriptures with you guys about what it actually means to be a son. Because we have this really fluffy, like, sonship thing going around. Like, you're a son. God's so proud of you. You're accepted. And we need that because without that, I'm going to get into some of that too. But if you study sonship in its context, when you actually arrive at the revelation of sonship where you're free in your heart and you get to that place where you know God's for you, not against you, that's when things actually get really tough because God can't discipline an orphan the way he can a son. God can't say things to an orphan the way that he can say things to a son because a son has been rooted in identity in him. A son is set in confidence so that when the strong hand of the father comes and rips things away for a season, you don't take it personal. You know it's actually his best for you. And any leader in this room, if you're a leader, you know that you're going to develop a deep friendship with somebody before you ever get into a corrective posture with them if there needs to be correction. Because you have to establish something that when they receive correction, they know you're, they're for you. So actually, the deeper you grow in sonship, the more uncomfortable this journey is going to get. So the deeper that you get an understanding of the goodness of your father, the deeper the invitation you give him to come and disrupt everything so that you really can be truly what he's created you to be. Whoa. <laughs> Turn with me to Hebrews 12 real quick. And then I want to talk to you guys about just, I want, to t I want to get you up to speed of how this subject started becoming of a passion to me. Where the heck is Hebrews at? It's after Timothy. Okay. Hebrews 12. Dude, does anyone by chance have a hard copy of the Passion Translation with them? 
Are you, are you reading it right now on your phone? Let me see it. Passion translation is unbelievable. Um, in this, in this, in this, um, in this, uh, whatever. What am I? What am I checking? Description. Hebrews twelve seven through eleven. It's going to sound so much different than the Passion Translation, so you can follow along if you want, or you can just listen to it. It says, fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who has never been corrected, or sorry, who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not his sons. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Our parents corrected us for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them, but God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share in his holiness. I have one of those stories of a guy who was into drugs and being wild and being crazy, and I got set up, drug bust, busted, whoa, one of those stories. And on November 11th, 2008, after spending time behind bars, I got, well, August of 2008, after spending time in jail and all that world, I got sent to this spirit-filled Christian like rehab thing, okay? And at that point of my life, my viewpoint of Christianity was, I think the message of Jesus is real, but if I say yes to it, I can't have sex and I can't drink and I can't smoke weed and that just doesn't look like fun. Because, because the, 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 the Jesus that I had represented to me was a, a void of power, void of personal connect, you know, connection. So I just saw like, man, like these people do church, but like, I don't know, this doesn't look fun. And so I was like, I guess when I'm 99 years old and I have nothing left to do with my life, I'll get saved. That literally was like what I, that was my viewpoint. And, uh, and so I just went really crazy. I went really crazy in the world and, you know, I, anyways, that's just the way God made me. Anything I do, I like to do it really well. And so whether it's good or bad, I'll do it really well. <laughs> But on November 11, 2008, I had my own experience with the Lord because I got around believers who really knew him. And it began for four months. I had a season for four months where I was around Christians for the first time that really knew him. Just in a personal relationship way, but then there was the miracles. and there was, I was getting experienced the whole other side of God. And on November 11, 2008, I got saved. And, I had a, and I've had a unique story for the last 10 years where it has just seemed like the next great thing was always happening every moment, all the time. And it was. It was like opportunity. And, and then like I get saved. And oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can feel the Holy Spirit. And then, and then before I know it, eight months after getting saved, I'm moving to Kansas City to be a part of this ministry called IHOP. You know, and it's like, this is nuts. And, and it was just like high after high after high. You know, while I'm at IHOP, I meet Landry. We get married. Number boom, ready to go. I mean, my, my friends in my 30s are still trying to figure out how to get married. And it's like, you know, it's just... Everything is just lining up. I got the girl, you know, I'm at IHOP and I'm saved and, you know, and just like ministry and just, it was just never ending, right? And then in 2012, so three years into my, four years into my walk with the Lord, I had this crazy life-changing opportunity and I get to go to Orlando, Florida for a week and spend time with all these crazy evangelist guys. 
And it changed my life. Like anyone in the room, you might know I'm talking about, you have those moments in the Lord. Like you have those throughout your walk with the Lord where everything changed, right? This was like the impartation of a lifetime. This was the second Kings double portion, double honor, whatever you read in ElijahList.com. This was that. <laughs> this was that moment. Do you guys even know what that is? Elijah List. Like, anyway, so. <laughs> Maybe I got it too. I better be careful. <laughs> and, uh, and I have that moment, right? And everything changes. This is 2012. And literally, I went from believing in miracles and stuff to now, like, it's on, like, Donkey Kong. And everyone I'm praying for is getting touched by God. It was nuts. I and mean, we're going through the mall. We're laying hands on everybody. Like, dude, I'm like, we're back in Kansas City after this week in Orlando. I'm, like, calling my friends. I'm like, dude, we're going to the emergency room right now. Like, God's going to heal everybody. And he was healing everybody. No, it was nuts. It was nuts. People dying of cancer, getting healed, like... Real wild miracles. And out of nowhere, I have a ministry. I've arrived. <laughs> right? So we think. And, well, because what happened was his word was getting out to a certain few people out there that there was this kid in Kansas City seeing a ton of crazy miracles. And I got connected to kind of some of the who's who's in the prophetic world. And before I know it, I'm like flying all over America preaching at conferences. Just going to happen. I mean, you were married to me. You remember. Yeah, I was not the guy you married. Right? I was just the normal guy who loved God trying to work at Subway, you know. And now I'm like traveling the world. And I, man, I was probably so stupid, you know. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm all in this. And the ministry's happening. And, and I'm, I'm in a moment that people are believing for for decades, right? Everyone's waiting for the moment that they get the microphone and they get to do the thing. And I'm like traveling and I'm preaching. And so then because of that, there's money and, you know, it just everything's changing. Whew. We've arrived. And what happens when these things happen is when you're young, dumb, what's that song? That, that new song, Young, Dumb and Broke by that rapper. You guys know what I'm talking about? That Young, Dumb and Broke song. And so when you're young, dumb and broke and the Lord begins to anoint your life, you think something special is upon you. And then I think it's because, well, it's because I fast, and it's because I do this, and it's because I do that. And so the Lord lets me go on this journey for about three years of building a ministry and traveling all over the place and preaching and seeing, don't get me wrong, seeing great fruit. Well, then 2015 rolls around, and my good friend and I, I have this friend in Minneapolis who's, a, who's launching this movement where we're going to start going into cities and doing 24-7 worship and prayer with 24-7 evangelism we, we, for seven days. Like we, we, this whole thing was being birthed. And I was helping him establish Love New York. Anyone ever heard of this Love New York thing? So my wife and I go on a 21-day fast right before Love New York starts, okay? This is 2015. And the Lord begins to hijack our lives and write a story. And long story short, from November of 2015 to May of 2016, a prophetic story unfolds and we pack our bags and I move my whole family to New York City. It was a crazy story, dude. You know, it's one of those moments in the Lord, like dream after dream after confirmation, $30,000 financial miracle to actually make the move happen. So it wasn't just the prophetic, then there was the natural doors opening. We move here. We have favor with this guy and in Brooklyn. We get this beautiful apartment. Like they get, they approve me over the guy that makes $200,000 a year who's knocking at the door saying, can I have the keys now? And like, I meet this guy on the street corner and tell him I'm a missionary who lives by faith and God will provide. And he's like, that guy's supposed to live in my apartment. You know what I mean? That's literally how the story went down. 
like crazy story. And so, so we're thinking, dude, for such a time as this, we are called, we are chosen, we've arrived, and we're going to see revival in New York City. We're full of excitement. Who wouldn't be, right? We made this video on Facebook, and like everyone's all excited, and we're raising all this money. And dude, here we come. New York City, right? Like, we're the chosen ones. While everyone at IHOP is still sitting in the prayer room, we've been handpicked and sent. Right? Come on. Do we not? Don't. Isn't this how, secretly, isn't this how we feel when, like, when God does cool things with us? Secretly, like, when you get anointed, you get an opportunity, right? This is how we, this is how we think often. And we know but sincerely, like, we really thought that like, you know what I mean? Like something significant was gonna break out. Like we're gonna raise up the house of prayer and yada, 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 right? And the Lord tricked us, is what he did. No, and the assignment's not over. The assignment's not over. Like it's gonna, I think, I think there, there's levels to the assignment, but he tricked us, that's what happened. And like two months into it, everything's messed up. Like nothing's working. Nothing's working at all, like it sucked. And, but I don't know what to, how to handle this. Like, I don't know how to handle it. And I'm like, warfare, I'm rebuking the devil. And then, of course, I have my prophetic friends that aren't helping anything. And they're like, yeah, I see it. It's like a demonic <laughs> spirit of gen- No, we had this. No, like, one of my buddies, like, gave me a word in this season was like, yeah, I just see a dark cloud hanging over that place. And it's hindering the purpose of God. You know, and I'm like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that's it. You know, like, you know, and, and I'm like, there's conflict, and we're trying to, like, correct it, and you're just trying to fix it, and, like, the devil's trying to steal my assignment and my calling, right? And, but, but, but here's the thing, though. In the meantime, while this is all happening, and I'm, like, in this, what the heck's happening? And then Brooke and Cam move, and we were a total mess. Like, they moved here, like, right in the middle of our mess, and so we're just this, like, whacked-out couple that supposedly has an anointing on their life in Kansas City, but really is just totally trashing on everybody because everybody's not as spiritual as we are, you know? And we have the answers, but no one else does. And it was really tough, but, but what I was disconnected from, though, was actually the level of turmoil that was rising to the surface, the level of anger, the level of offense, the level of insecurity, the level of a lot of things are rising, but I'm not connected to it because I have a false idea of what God's vision for my life is. And so instead, I'm doing warfare while totally manifesting the wrong spirits. Now, if we're, not, if we're not careful, here's what we do as ignorant charismatics. What we do is we go, the, we actually will blame the very emotions that we're feeling on the devil. I have news for you. The devil does not have authority to make you feel and ex- make you uh, act out in certain emotions. Unless if you're demonized. <laughs> if you're in this room and you're demonized, we can have a conversation because there's a level in it. We'll go there. If you think that might be you, we'll pray for you. But in the midst of whatever, guys, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a demonic attack, in the midst of whatever, when you're responding in anger, when you're manifesting whatever, know this, that that's what is really actually in there. The devil can create a storm in front of you, but what comes out is what comes out. In Romans 8, it says that he works all things for the good for those who love him and are called by his name. So even if... Delilah, Jezebel, and whatever have come against your life, 
even when the demonic attack, even if it is demonic, even if it's demonic, he still works all things out for the good. And so the real invitation is, what if when the devil attacks your life and then you freak out, what if you actually focus on the freak out and say, God, I need help in this area. And, then, and the warfare actually just disappears because you've actually entered into something different. The devil's like, gosh, I can't get the guy. I tried to create a demonic attack in his life, and instead he went to the Lord and repented for getting angry about it. <laughs> like, the devil's like, shoot, I lost. See, here's what he wants you to do. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Call the intercessors. Get the olive oil out, and let's go door to door. <laughs> There's a time and a place for that, though. Don't get me wrong. My wife and I, we, we typically do anoint our homes that we live in. I'm not. Hear me right, please. Well, about Christmas time comes around of 2016, and the Lord shows up and is like, dude, it's on me. Real simple. I can remember the moment in my living room in Brooklyn late at night when the Lord came uh, and spoke to me very clearly. Dude, it's all me. And I had just in a conversation with a kind of a mentor-ish person from Traverse City in my life. And he was talking about John 15. I didn't really hear it. He was like, you know, because he knows what's going on. He's like, it's, dude, it's John 15 pruning. And like, I didn't really get it. I, you know, I'm like, yeah, I get that. I get it. Yeah, John 15 is pruning. Like, sure, you know, whatever. But when the Lord shows up and he's like, dude, it's all me. When this stuff happens, what do you do? No, for real. Like, let's just get raw for a second. Like, it's not like, oh, awesome. I'm in the season of pruning. Amen. <laughs> what do you do when all you've ever done is give everything to the Lord? What do you do when you've come from a successful family, when you've come from this, and you are living this foolish life, choosing to not work jobs, living by faith, having no income, spending 20 plus hours a week in a prayer room, like wasting your life away in your 20s, having children in the midst of that chaotic lifestyle, like, you know, just living this life being sold out for Jesus, and then not to mention, like, so sold out that you are willing to actually move your family to the craziest city in the world with no plan, not knowing where you're going to live, trusting he's going to make it. And all you get in return is a crappy season. <laughs> and the Lord goes, hey, it's all me. What do you mean it's all you, God? What do you mean? What do you mean? You mean the people that are saying this about me, that's, that, that's you? Yes. What do you do when things that are happening actually aren't legit? Like, I'm not talking about just like, oh, it was my false perception. Like, what happens when actually real injustice and real, like, dis disrespect and real things that are real actually happen? The Lord's like, yeah, but it's all me. What do you do when the Lord has allowed others in their weakness and in their brokenness to speak into your life and prick you in areas you didn't even know were there? And the Lord was actually the one who authored it in the first place? Wait, I thought, God, I thought you were praying for me to bless, bless and prosper me. Yeah, they are. We can't bless you and prosper you unless if you realize how whacked out, how whacked out you really are on the inside. And let's get free. <laughs> what do you do in that moment? And I had that moment for a quick flash where I was like, what? This is all you? But then like in that moment when I was able to receive it just for a second, then like the scene shifted and I could feel like the spirit of grace hit me to now respond differently to the season. It didn't, it didn't mean I responded perfectly to the season after that point, 
But now my perspective is going to begin to change as more conflict comes, as things get weirder. And they did and they did and they got weirder. <laughs> and so it's like, what is going on? And, I, and, 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 and it was almost as if the Lord, like even not only did he put me in this position where now I'm like experiencing hurt and pain and emotions didn't know were in there. But then like even from a ministry front, right, because I could easily just push through and start something. Right? Like, well, dude, forget about it. Like, start, because my friends and, and their, you know, and their, and their well-meaning are like, bro, like, why don't you just start an evangelism school? Like, dude, it's easy. Like, do it, bro. Like, just go evangelize every day. Like, what do you, what do you? And whatever was going on in my heart, I, like, had no motivation for anything in ministry. So it's just a weird place when you've been sent to New York and people are supporting you and you're here, but you're not doing anything. And then like people are still giving because then you're like, this is just the weirdest season. And what happened was is because now that I was stripped bare and I didn't have anything flashy to show in ministry, I wasn't traveling anymore. Everything stripped bare. And so my motivation to perform and see something great happen is being stripped away because I'm in a season where I'm raw and vulnerable for the first time probably ever in my life. And I'm like, this is bizarre. And so you fast forward, you come into the spring of 2017, and it's like, God, you've moved me here, and the assignment of my life is I vacuum the floors at the house of prayer. Here I am. <laughs> right? And I got a word of the Lord from this prophetic friend of mine. He goes, mop the floors, clean the toilets, and pray for God's purposes over New York City and get your heart reconnected. So here I am. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I'm showing up, and I'm taking the train into the city, and I'm vacuuming the floors of the house of prayer, just crying out, God, we thank you for this house of prayer. You know, just like, what's, so what's going on in New York? Well, this is, you know, it was crazy. But along the way, the Lord is, I'm in this season now where I'm receiving it, and what's happening is, is simultaneously the Lord is doing this double whammy thing from heaven. He's exposing me on a level that I couldn't even believe I could handle. You know, it's like... God, like, is there another thing that you could honestly expose on my heart? Like, am I that evil, you know? But at the same time, this waves of sonship, I'm being delivered from the ministry at the same time. I'm being delivered from the addiction to ministry. So it's like he's pouring in sonship. And as the sonship thing is getting deeper and my identity is changing into what it's supposed to be, he's cranking up the heat on dealing with what's on the inside. And I'm like, and then I'm realizing that in his kindness, he will only reveal to the degree that he knows you can handle it. Right? You know, when you first get saved, it's like you got the girlfriend and the, the boyfriend, and that's the issue. It's like you got saved, now you gotta stop, you know, doing stuff with your boyfriend and girlfriend. And that is it. Like God's not talking about anything else about that one thing. You, who knows what I'm talking about? But then as you walk, as you grow with the Lord, things, you know, the, things get a little deeper. He starts dealing with you on other stuff. And you're like, okay, and you kind of keep going on this journey with him. And I'm realizing that eight years of all of this pursuit has gotten me to this place. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Well, and then he changes the script again. So we have this whole thing happen, and the Lord makes it very clear, like it's time to move on to the next season. Now, not leaving New York, but like, so now it's like things are looking up, Okay. Dude, we have this crazy thing happen. This lady who has this property in Dumbo, Brooklyn, this unbelievable piece of real estate is like, listen, whatever you are called to build and plant in New York City, my building is your building. It's free. Go for it. Wow. 
Dude, you don't have that happen in New York. People are struggling to find a storefront to rent on a Sunday afternoon for two hours. Like, you know, like, like, like Christians are having a hard time finding lovers of Jesus that will hook them up with a deal. Like, you know, it's like that. So it just was, it was like, whoa, okay. And in that moment, it was like, I took my eyes a little bit off of what he's doing on the end works. I'm like, sweet, now it's time to grow. And the Lord's like, gosh, you don't get it. Like, you were on the right path. You were cleaning the floors. You were doing good. You were letting me kill you. And now you got a key to a building, and you're going to be the next apostle again. Here you go. And so we start this thing called Activate. How cool, right? Activate. And we're going to start this Saturday, once-a-month gathering, and we're going to equip the saints to go out and do this stuff. And it's great, and it's fruitful. And, I mean, you had an unbelievable experience there. And God did you know, So I'm not saying it's not fruitful, because God let you bear fruit all along the whole way. And then I go back to Kansas City to speak at a conference at IHOP. And uh, I'm sitting in my pastor's office, the, the guy who runs IHOP. I'm sitting in his office. And we're having a conversation. And, Mike's, and Mike was like, I, had not, I like had no relationship with Mike for all my years at IHOP. And then when I moved to like New York, he kind of like came alongside of me and was like really rooting me on. So like Mike was like, of course Mike would do this. If you know Mike Bickle, he's like constantly go lower, go lower, give all your money away, live, you know, live simple. Like Mike, it's like, come on, Mike, can you just have a nice house? Like, is it okay? Like, do you have to be that spiritual about everything? You know, like, and so like when I came to Mike and expressed to him, like I got really like raw, raw with him about everything that was happening because I thought he was going to like vindicate me. Yeah, that's why, bro. Instead, Mike's like, yes, dude, go low. You're in your 20s and you're going through this now. Like, it's amazing. You know, and I'm like, so I'm excited to sit in Mike's office to give him the update that things are looking up and New York's going to get saved. <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm at IHOP speaking at a conference at IHOP. You know, like, that's, that's what I was in town for, speaking at a Luke 18 a college campus event thing. And I'm sitting in his office and he's just like, Anyways, I wish you guys knew Mike because you'd laugh really hard because you'd understand Mike if, I, if you, you know, so I'm like just going off to him about how great everything is and he just is sitting there staring at me like doesn't care, you know? <laughs> and I'm like just telling him everything. Dude, activate's going to happen. We got the key to the building. You know, and Mike's the one who sent me to New York, so it's not like he's not on my team, you know? Mike's the one who like prayed with my wife and I and like sincerely like sent us from the house of prayer. Like go, dude, you know? And I opened up to him just about some personal conflict, just like, you know, marriage being tense and just different things happening, you know, because, you know, in the midst of all of that, it's like there's all these other relational conflict happening, and I was just kind of opened up to him about a couple things, barely, and Mike's like, Mike goes, I think if you don't come back to Kansas City within like six to eight months, you'll be divorced in two years, is what I think, <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about, dude, did you, did you not hear activate, dude, like, <laughs> Activate, bro. Like, God's going to do it. You know, and Mike, no, I didn't say that literally. But that's like what I'm thinking. You know, I'm like, God, dude, Mike, you don't stop, dude. Like, <laughs> so grateful for this, dude, man. And, and I'm like, and, 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 I, and I actually said to him, I'm like, yeah, but Mike, what are you, I'm like, I'm like, dude, it's all going to work itself out. Like, sure, like, yeah, there's some conflict. There's some relational things with, you know, in my household. But, like, dude, it's, it's whatever. Like, well, we're going to work it out. It's just, just being vulnerable with you. I didn't, I didn't mean tell me to come home. Like, you know, that's what I'm thinking. And, I, and I'm, like, defending the prophetic. I'm like, yeah, but, dude, the prophetic story, Mike. Like, I'm like, I said to him, like, you're the prophetic history guy, dude. Like, what are you talking about? You every year retell the 10-hour story of how God started out. 
And Mike's like, never at the expense of my family. He goes, he goes, this isn't prophetic. He goes, shut your, he shut the prophetic down. He goes, come back to Kansas City, come home. That's what I think you should do. He's like, if you don't, I bless you. And he literally said to me, he said, I think Activate is going to blow up if you want it to. He's like, I think if you stay, I think Activate will be huge. I think you'll have 500 people coming to your gathering every Saturday. And I think it really will create a buzz throughout the city that will sincerely, like sincerely impact the city. He's like, that's great. He goes, but would you rather say yes to the opportunity and lose your soul? Or would you rather come home and let the Lord do this thing deeper and save your family? And I'm like thinking, Mike, like, it's not like, you know, we're like cheating on each other or anything. Like, what do you, you know, it's like small stuff, but Mike was seeing something bigger as a pastor. And he's like, Josh, if you understand, I mean, I just remember the, the context after that just saying to me, like, you're going to have many opportunities. You're going to have many prophetic stories. He goes, but if you really want to be a man of God and you really, really, really want to go somewhere with him in later in life, you're going to have to say no to what the world of the body of Christ is not saying no to. I heard an unbelievable story just recently, too. Of a, uh, we, we, have, we have a young couple at IHOP that are in unbelievable, extraordinary leaders. Their names are Benj, uh, Benji Nunez and Gabriel Nunez. Benji Nunez has started over 100 House of Prayers in Mexico, and he's like 26. Like, straight-up apostle. Like, and he's, he's at IHOP now, and he helps lead a bunch of things. And I was with, we were, He was with us in Luke 18, and he was telling us this crazy story on how he had this whole unbelievable prophetic open door with Russia and they were going to be able to go into Russia and equip all these churches da, 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 da. and he's like giving Mike the grand like dude the prayer movement is about to like explode in Russia and Mike's like Mike's like, I know I'm the one who knows the guys that are trying to recruit you I get it you know <laughs> Mike's like Mike's like this will be Mike says this to Benji Nunes and his, this is just recent he's like this will be the opportunity of your life he goes, you will become an apostolic father over all of Russia. And the prayer movement is going to completely take over Russia if you say yes to this. And he's thinking, he's thinking, awesome. He goes, but it will ruin your life. It will ruin your soul. You won't have a prayer life and you won't study your Bible anymore. What do you want to choose? <laughs> he goes, stay in the house of prayer. Read your Bible. Spend time in prayer. And you'll have a way greater reward in your 60s and 70s than seeing revival in Russia. You make a choice. It messes with us, doesn't it? I'm not saying God doesn't want to use you to change Russia, but this is the journey I've been on with the Lord. And before we know it, the Lord snaps his finger. We come back to we come back to New York City, and the entire thing shuts, and we move back to Kansas City like that. And it was so crazy. And so I've been in this. So we're back in Kansas City, you know, and I hop and. We've been in this journey where I'm like reevaluating everything that I thought was important. And I don't want to ruin anyone's dreams in this room because you guys are, there's people in this room that are called to do great things. There's people in this room that are called to pastor churches. There's people in this room that are called to be businessmen. There are evangelists in this room. We, I mean, Sam Juan is clearly called to do these gatherings. So you please don't like take what I'm saying and say that kid thinks ministry sucks. I'm in full-time ministry. I'm the associate director of a ministry that I have. Like, I, I, I'm in ministry. But along the way, I'm reevaluating, like, what really the Lord's after. 
And I've been blown away by this, this sonship thing because I'm getting, I'm, I'm, by no means have I have arrived, but the Lord has been systematically stripping away everything I've put my faith in and everything that I've put my, my trust in and everything that I've used to build my ego because realistically there was an orphan thing operating here. And because there was an orphan thing operating here, I had to be busy in ministry because if I'm not feeling the acceptance of my father when I'm not doing anything cool, right? Then you live by the appraise of man. You live by being the conference speaker. You live by it because you don't feel the grace from the Lord on your life. Instead, so, so when people tell you you're awesome, it's what keeps you going. No, seriously. And the Lord's just been taking this sonship thing so deep in me. And I've been blown away at what I'm discovering in Scripture about sonship. You know, I just read you guys Hebrews 12, right? Like, when was the last time, like, this sonship guy quoted that Scripture? You know, like, we don't talk about this stuff. And then, Matt, I'll end with this. And then Matthew 5, right? Jesus comes on the scene. You guys all know this. Jesus comes on the scene. Here's the Pharisees, the mega church leaders, the you know of that time, right? The ones that God had figured out. They're building the churches. They got the prophetic school of ministries, and they've got it going on. And Jesus comes on the scene. Is like, you think that you're holy because you don't murder people. I say to you, if you even have murder in your heart, you're a mess and you're a murderer. It's like, Jesus, so let's listen, bro. Like, I have a ministry, dude. Like, things are going well. Like, you don't got to deal with the anger thing. Like, it's all good. Right? And then the guy who gets up on the stage and preaches against sexual immorality, right? Preaches against husbands who cheat on their wives. And he goes, you, I, you guys get it. I'm, like, adding to this, and I'm making it really relevant for 2018. Yeah. And then the guy at the conference speaker that gets up and says, you know, rebukes all the guys in the room that have had affairs on their wives. And he goes... You say that adultery is wrong. I say if you even have lust in your heart or look at a woman with lust, you're just as wicked as the other one. You've heard it said, you know, da-da-da-da, right? Turn the cheek. He goes down this crazy list. And you're like, whoa, Jesus is after something a little different than I thought he was, right? And he ends in Matthew 5, 45, and here's how he ends this crazy exhortation. So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Let me talk to you about sonship. It's not the school of ministry. It's how are you dealing with the offense in your heart with the five girlfriends that have really ticked you off in the last six months? See, what we don't realize is we, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where following Jesus is hard. Listen, we live in a culture, go watch 10 Bill Johnson teachings and you will have faith for healing. Like, don't freak out about contending for healing. Like, just go do it, right? We live in this unique time of history where signs and wonders and all of these things are so accessible and we can build churches like this and there's a model to do this and there's a model to do that. We can build this and we can build that. And along the way, we don't even realize that we're letting the things of life build up so much of us on the inside and we actually end up leading in ministry out of our wounds and our offense. We actually end up living our lives with mechanisms. Do you realize that most of us, we literally, if, the, if you were to like really take the magnifying glass deep, just about every one of us, including myself in the room, almost everything that you do in life is based upon years of wounding and insecurity and the way that you actually function right now in life is because of years of hurt and pain. So the way that you relate to people is because you create a mechanism because of this. 
But see, we don't deal with this stuff because it's too hard. Because it's too hard. But this is what Jesus is after. Because the rest of your life, you're going to be dealt the wrong hand. The rest of your life, it's never going to work out how you want it to. <laughs> like, life sucks, people suck, everything sucks. <laughs> that's, that, that's its life. And, and life will continue to deal you horrible hands all the time. But it's the invitation in these moments to imagine what it was like being Jesus on the earth with his chosen 12 and the foolishness he had to deal with every day that was personal to him. In his last hour when blood is dripping from him because he's so freaked out and full of anxiety, homeboys are sleeping. Dude, could you guys not tarry me for an hour? I'm so freaked out right now that blood is coming out of my pores. And Peter, you just last week said, I am the Christ, the son of the living God. And I told you that that was the greatest thing a human has ever said. I'm actually going to build my church on what you just said. And in 2018, Global Vision Church will be talking about what you said. But dude, today, when they hang me on the cross, a rooster's going to crow three times. And you're going to deny me to a little girl who thinks they recognize you being associated with me. Holy crap. And homeboy, I've ran with you for three years. You're going to trade me in for 30 bucks so this whole thing can go down. Like, holy smokes. Like, what Jesus had to face with betrayal and rejection of people, right? When you said yes to Jesus, you said, Lord, I take up my cross and I follow you. And sonship and daughterhood is this, that the deeper you grow in this intimate place where God and you are connected deep, you give him the invitation to say, thank you for being a daughter. Thank you for being a son. This thing is getting so personal that I want to reach in there and I want to deal with stuff you didn't even know was there because my desire and my pursuit and my passion for you is so much bigger than a leadership training and it's so much bigger than your surfacey coffee meetings. I want to go so deep inside of there that we can get you free from offense. We can get you free from anger. We can get you free from the insecurities of life that you have built up because I want this thing to be so pure before me and you where we can walk into the face of the earth and as life continues to throw you the wrong hands, I believe that in your 30s and in your 40s and maybe your 50s and whatever the story is, maybe your 60s, we can get to a place where the Lord can entrust us with so much because we truly are doing what we're doing out of a place of freedom in our heart and we're not building up offense mechanisms and we're not building up a defense of how we live our lives. This is the Lord's goodness and his kindness over us, guys, that he is that personal. That the God of the universe who's causing a billion whatever people that live in the world, his hand touches every single one of them to have their lungs working to breathe right now. The God who is micromanaging the entire world actually wants to sit down with you for a cup of coffee and say, let's talk about what's in your heart because of what your wife did. What? That's good news. 
That's not, bro, leave me alone, don't judge me. That's a father who is so relentless saying, dude, you have no idea the depths of where I want to go to bring you into the greatest place of freedom. But I'm telling you right now, this is where the rubber meets the road in Christianity. And this is where people decide that it's too hard. I'm out of here. I hate the ministry. I hate people. And they, and they get offended and they go through, they do something else. Dude, it happens. People drop like flies all the time. And it's this stuff right here. What, why did your friend backslide and turn from God? Because one day he woke up and said, God, I hate you. No, it's the years of just stuff that happens that we don't, aren't willing to deal with. And God just comes along. And we end up into a place where we either choose to deal with it or not. And typically, it's easier just to not. I have news for you. If you're overwhelmed by what I'm saying tonight, and you're like, whoa, maybe I'm a total mess. The answer is you really are. <laughs> and I really am a total mess. Right now, I was preaching this on a pretty famous prophet's Facebook Live. I, I got interviewed on this big prophetic Facebook Live thing. And dude, I was watching the religious people just manifesting at what I was saying. That was, you can go probably find it on my Facebook wall. There's this kind of famous prophetic kid who does this, um, this weekly, it's called the Prophetic Voice uh, live stream where he interviews people and he asked me to be on the show. And I, I went this route. And I'm watching all these religious people that sit on Facebook Live land and that's their teachings all day long. And they're like raging against what I'm saying. That's not true. I'm not messed up. Like commenting in there, you know? I'm like, no, no, you really, really are. That's why you're so upset that I'm saying it. Like, <laughs> so I have good news for you. It's a good thing to, listen to this. This shouldn't be like, dude, don't tell me I'm messed up. You're messed up. He's messed up. If you even knew what she did, you would think she's a total psycho. And it, oh my God. And, it, and, it, and if you confessed to him what really was going on on the inside, he would go, dude, oh my God, you're as messed up as I am. This is crazy. We're, really, we're all that messed up? And the answer is yes. And it's an invitation from the Lord to say, I'm not freaked out about how messed up you really are on the inside. Let's go after this thing together. Yeah, I'm being too much on it. I better chill out. <laughs> okay. And I have good news for you. You can't do it either on your own. No. <laughs> I have even better news for you. Now that you're like, okay, I guess I better get free. Well, guess what? You can't. <laughs> That's why in Hebrews 4, it says we have a high priest who can sympathize with us in our weakness. For he was tempted in every measure without sin. Therefore, ask for grace. Or it says, therefore, enter the throne of grace, boldly before the throne of grace, and ask for help in your time of need. If this is ministering to you in some way right now tonight, whether you've been through a tough pruning season, you're in it right now, and you're like, I want to sign up and respond well, and I want to get all out of this that God's got for me. Maybe in a past season, maybe you just came out of your pruning, and you're realizing, holy smokes, I didn't see it from that perspective. And though maybe you're doing something cool now in this season, but you're still jaded from the past. Maybe God wants to revisit the past today. Maybe you're just in this room and you're like, whoa, I didn't, yeah, like I am, I am. I'm like insecure. I'm angry. I'm offended at this person. Like, well, that's in my heart too. If, that's, if this is ministering to you in some way, I want you to stand. I want to pray over you guys right now. Amen. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask God for a baptism of the understanding of sonship so that we can go to this place of the Father's heart with for us. And then the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God for grace. We're going to do this for real. Hebrews 4 is for real. It says, when you need help, 
Ask for grace because there's a God who sits on the throne of grace and he's ready to pour it out. So, Father, right now we ask you for a baptism of sonship. God, a baptism of confidence. I just want to speak this over you guys right now. Just receive. You could be really, really, really dealing with a lot of stuff. And I want to tell you right now, I promise you, you may not believe me. God is not freaked out by it and he's not upset at all. Come on, I'm a father in this room. And if my son is dealing with a bunch of stuff, like the last thing I'm going to do is be upset with him. I'm going to want to fight for his freedom. Right now, whatever you're doing in this room, it could be a sin thing. It could just be deep level of brokenness. I want to tell you right now, God, I promise you whether you believe me or not, he is not upset with you. I promise you, okay? So God, I just release that over them right now. I ask for supernaturally for that to hit our hearts. For the guy who's addicted to porn, for the, for the whatever the story might be, for the hurting of the hurt. God, that he is not disappointed, but he wants to come and hang out with you in that place. And God, right now, I ask you for grace. Right now, ask him for grace. Guys, you, there's no way you can, you can get free from offense. There's no way that you can move on from the people that have hurt you. There's no way you can't do it. And that's good news, because that would be really tough. God, I release grace right now in Jesus' name. Hebrews 4, verse 16, ask for grace. Approach the throne of grace and ask for help in the time of need. Father, I ask for grace in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you are raising up the greatest prophets, apostles, evangelist teachers the world has ever seen, God. That have walked through the fire, that have said yes to the stuff that doesn't look popular, that have said yes to the inner workings that aren't very sexy, that are saying yes to the things that may mean they don't get to flourish at the moment in ministry. God, I thank you that in this room, as, as I look across, it's, it's, there's that scripture where it says, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the earth, searching for hearts that are fully his. Let me just say one more thing while you, got, while you guys are in receiving posture right now. Don't, look, don't even look at me. I just want to release courage over you for every single sacrifice that you've ever made before the Lord. There's not one sacrifice that you've made before him that will go unnoticed. About three weeks ago, the Lord just really touched my heart about my season in New York. Because up to about three weeks ago, it was just, the Lord sent me there to kill me. But I'm saying it from a pure heart, because I was like, he really did. But I had this moment about three weeks ago where the Lord flipped the script on me and showed me his heart in a whole different perspective. Because I was going through my phone, I was looking at old pictures of my kids drawing in their chalk on the side of the, on, on the corner in Brooklyn. And pictures out in front of the barber shop and just on the train heading to Times Square. Just the craziness that we did this thing. And I was just sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like I really moved my family to New York City. And in that moment, I just felt the Lord. And he was like, I know. And it really, really moved my heart. I mean, it was, it was so, like, I, I sat on me for like three hours in our prayer room that morning. Like, holy smokes, he 
regardless of how weird the situation was, regardless of how much I blew it in New York, like I did it and he's like, dude, trust me, you will be getting repaid for this. So all of you in this room, guys, he's seen it all. Every sacrifice, every move, every dollar you've given, everything, he sees it all, guys. Tonight was not a night to make you feel stupid. Tonight was a night to let you know that God looks over you and he sees the deepest places of your heart. And in his goodness as a father, he wants to reach in there because trust me, you know you want to be free. So God, I give them grace right now to walk this journey out well, to deal with friends, to deal with situations, to deal with past hurts, God, give them grace. Right now, God, I see you drop people's names in their heart right now. People they need to go to and get right with. People they need to go to that have hurt them, that they've carried anger towards and offense towards. God, drop those names right now in this room. And God, I guess you give them grace to pursue it. I see you give them grace to face it head on. God, so that we can be free sons and daughters and we can truly sing the songs like no more shackles, no more chains, I'm free that means no more drugs and no more alcohol no more porn it's way bigger than that it's a pure heart it's a free heart jesus we live we glorify you god this is all about you tonight god i pray that when they go home tonight that they that the last thing that comes off their tongue is man that josh mcdonald was the fire god i pray that they go wow i'm blown away that god wants to reach into the deepest places of my heart Jesus, I want to be a true friend of the bridegroom. I don't want you guys going home talking about the friend of the bridegroom. I want you guys to go and talk about the bridegroom. Thank you for what you're doing in this house. And even Lord. Thank you for listening to PursuitCast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.